faithfully when he was here. And you know, I know what it's like to try to step in those shoes. When his father went on to be with the Lord, he took over his father's church. And he has exceeded what his father planted. And he continues to love God's people, changing that community. And it's truly my honor to present to you Superintendent Larry Christman. Will you say amen? Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And we're certainly grateful to be in God's house on this morning. Can I pray with you as you stand? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your people. We thank you for this destiny moment. Lord, we ask that, your word, that you word my lips, Lord. Allow the word to go forth with power and authority. Move me out of the way. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, allow your word to push your people towards promise. Lord, to illuminate the path of destiny that you've designed for each and every one of them. And Lord, most of all, from this experience, let us not leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We're indeed grateful for... Pastor Jay, as I've heard him referred to, amen. We thank God for him, my brother, amen, a man, of, a man of God. I love him so much, amen, and thank God for him and for what God is doing through his life, amen. Thank God for Supervisor Maynard being with us this morning, amen. We appreciate and love her so much, and to our district missionary, amen, missionary Betty Jones. We praise God for her, and of course, in his absence, we give honor to Bishop Jerry Maynard, amen, my bishop, amen, and I appreciate and thank God for him and Dr. Mary T. Maynard as well. I appreciate all of them, and to each of you who are gathered, I thank God for you. I appreciate Appreciate you being here. I thank God or my mom who's here. Amen. Just, just wave your hand, mom. You just wave at us. All right. There she is. <laughs> just went up in the balcony. Just wave at mom. We appreciate and thank God for her for being with us today. Amen. I thank God for my wife. Amen. If she'll stand for a minute, First Lady Carissa Crispin, I praise God for her on this morning. Amen. And uh, amen. I got some instructions from Pastor Jay that we were going to be wearing blue on today. But when she stepped out in polka dots, I said, let me find mine. Amen. I'm going to match my wife today. Amen. Is that all right? <laughs> amen. I thank God for her. And I appreciate each of you who are here. I love Cathedral of Praise. As he's mentioned, a part of the Christmas Memorial District. And I thank God for each of you who are here. And for us who are gathered, we're going to go quickly to the word of the Lord in St. Luke chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verses 22 through 32. Again, that's St. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. Now, I may have missed it, but so excuse me if I, if I did. If all the fathers would just stand for a minute, and if we can get everybody to just give a hand to all of our fathers who are here. Amen. Amen. 
Praise God for all of our fathers. Amen. That's beautiful. Amen. To see all of these godly men who are fathers, who are leading our next generation. You may be seated. Gentlemen, we are grateful to see you. It's always good to see that you've been surrounded, amen, by godly men. And I'm going to need some, I'm going to need some amens with a deep voice on this morning. Amen. Amen. Let me hear all my fathers say amen. Amen. That's, that sounds good right there. Amen. I'm going to need some of those amens as we go forward presenting God's word. Again, that's Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. And I must give honor also to my father in his absence. Amen. A man of God without him, just literally and spiritually, I would not be here. And I just love and thank and praise God for the love, for the word, and for the example of the late administrative assistant, Larry James Crispin, Sr. Amen. I praise God for him. Again, Luke chapter 12, and we're starting verse 22, and it's from the English Standard Version, so my, your, my, your version may vary a bit from mine. And it says, and he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the raven. They neither sow nor reap, have they neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your father knows that you need them. Let me say that again. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. I want to talk to you this morning about things uh, attributes of good fathers. I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about some attributes of good fathers. I'll tell you the one thing that fathers, they are giving. Fathers give their name. They give their confidence. They give their credibility. They give their gifts and they give inheritance. And we're going to talk about and develop that in a few moments. I want to talk to you first of all one of the attributes of a good father is good fathers are kind. God said, even an evil father won't give his son a stone if he asks for bread. Neither will he give him a serpent if he asks for fish. How much more will your heavenly father provide for you? The Bible also instructs the, the fathers to be kind. It says, provoke not your children to wrath, but to help them to grow up in the nurture and admonition of God. In fact, even as a father to the flock, Jesus tested Peter. 
He said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, well, yes, God, you know I love you. Then he said, feed my lambs. He asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, God, you ought to know that I love you. Then he said, feed my lambs. And then a final time, he said, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Jesus said, then feed my lambs. And this can be confusing, but what God was trying to draw out of Peter was to make sure that he was kind to the sheep. And this conversation in itself might seem a little confusing when we look at it in English, because English, although we have so many words for other things, we only seem to have one word for love. So if you understood it a little bit better in the original language, in, in the Greek, when it was transcribed, what Jesus was saying to Peter when asking the question, he said, Peter, do you agapeo love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I phileo love you. See, agapeo means that unconditional love. That filial or phileo love means that brotherly love. So he asked him one time, he said, Peter, do you agapeo love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. So then he asked him again because they weren't using the same word for love. He said, Peter, do you agapeo love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo love you. Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. Well, see, this is how Jesus is, though. Jesus will sometimes, he won't, he won't push you to where he needs you to be, but sometimes to get you to where you need to be, he meets you where you are. So in the final questioning, he says, Peter, do you phileo love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I phileo love you. Peter and Jesus came to a meeting of the minds, and Jesus came to where Peter was just to make sure he understood how to be kind to the sheep. I'm telling you, good fathers are kind. Also, I'll tell you that good fathers are investors, not donors. Our text said that God feeds them. God doesn't donate. God invests. God invested in the ravens. He invested in the lilies. He invested in the grass. And yes, our God, he invests in you. I'm telling you, good fathers are investors. And if he invests in the ravens and he invests in the lilies and he invests in the grass, how much more is he invested in you? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God, invest in you. That's why the writer said, I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me where I am. See, I, I'm not concerned about the future because I know who holds the future. And, and I know that same one who holds the future holds my hand because my God has invested. He invested in me. See, what I'm talking about invested, see, some of, we have some babies' daddies who offered donations. They donated the genetic material for somebody to call them daddy. But I'm talking about a real good father. A good father invests. See, the difference is when I, if you ask me for $100 and I give it to you, that's likely a donation. Yes, 
I'm not going to check on the progress of my donation. But when I make an investment, that means, baby, I, I'm coming back to see you again because I'm coming to check on the progress of my and, oh, come on in here and see the difference between a donation and, and, and an investment is that I'm willing to give a certain amount on, on a donation. But when I make an investment, oh, I don't mind giving a little bit more when I invest because you best believe I'm coming back to check on the progress of my investment. And I came to tell you what, what, what God does, what, what God does when he invests, he anticipates that you're going to improve upon what he has invested. God expects you to improve upon what he has invested. How do I know? Jesus gave us the parable of the talents. And he gave one one talent. And he gave another two. And he gave another five. And when he came back to check on the talents... See, he came back. That means it wasn't a donation. That, that, that means it was an investment. So when he comes back to check on the progress of his investment, the one who had five had made it ten, and he said, good servant. And, and the one who had two had made it four, he said, good servant. But, but to the one who had one and he buried it, it said, Jesus, the, the master was wrong. He was upset. Yeah. Said he threw him out to where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because God expects you to improve upon his investment. So that means, fathers, when since you're investors, you, you, you didn't donate, so that means you check on it. I, I'm checking on the progress of my children. I'm making sure that they're raised in, in, in the understanding and admonition of God. Oh, I'm an investor. That means I, I'm going to check on their grades at school. I, I'm going to talk to the teachers. I, I'm going to show up for the parent-teacher conference. I, I'm going to be in the stands when, when, they're, when they're playing ball games. I, I, I'm going to make sure that I'm checking on the progress of my investment. That, that means that I'm, I have to be present. I have to be there. I have to keep checking on them. I'm not walking away because it is an investment. And, and let me talk to somebody right here. If I don't live in the house, I have a car, so I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to check on my investment because I didn't make a donation I made an investment. Somebody say investment. And that's why God, he made an investment in us. And that's why God checks on us because he invested something in you. Because whatever that, that, that you have on the inside, whatever that comes forth from you, is something that God has already invested in you. Somebody say God invested me. And God it, Anticipates that we're going to improve upon his investment. So I told you that fathers are kind and fathers are investors. The third thing I want to tell you is that fathers are near. Fathers have to be near. And by near, I mean you have to be in close proximity to your investment. The, 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 going back to the word here, it says your father knows that you need them. And the reason he knows you need these things is because he's near you. 
David said, incline thy ear to me, O Lord. That means God is listening. God is aware. When you pray to God, you're not giving him new information. You're not giving God new information. When I, when I pray to God, I, I'm simply exercising faith that he's going to work on my behalf because my prayer is an act of faith. That's saying, Lord, I'm giving you dominion over something that you already know about. Your problems and your trials, are, we have not a high priest who has not been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin God knows what I'm going through so when I pray I'm simply making a petition to God exercising faith and giving God dominion over my circumstances because he already knows I came to tell somebody that he already knows and, and that might not just be the word that you need this morning that that he already knows before before you open your mouth he already knows before you cried about it he he already knew before it woke you up in the middle of the night he already knew before you told your best friend about it he already knew what you needed and the reason i know he knew what i needed is because he protected me when i wasn't saved the reason I know he knew is because I, we don't always know how to pray like we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. I, I don't even know what to ask for, but even in the moments where my prayer is not good enough, my God already knows what I need. He knows. He knows. Somebody just say, he knows. He knows. He, he knows. My God, he knows. And he knows because my God is near to me my God is always near yeah. fathers you have to be near to know what your children need you have to be present so that you're able to listen to what they need but I, in fact you can miss the meaning if you're not near they tell me that 93% of communication is nonverbal so what I'm telling you is a phone call is not good enough yeah. 55% of that communication is body language. It's how you position yourself physically. The other 38% is the tone, the pitch, the pace of how you're speaking. That is part of your communication. So a mere 7% are the words that you actually say. And, and, and if, I, if, if, I, if I dare say this, and some, don't, don't, don't get mad at me, but, but I'll tell you that women are the masters of nonverbal communication they're, they're the masters nonverbal communication I told you I, I need some deep-throated amens right there, amen amen masters because when a woman tells you fine she she's not fine this is a word she uses to end an argument when she thinks she's right and she just wants you to shut up yeah that, that's what fine means. And when you ask her, is, is anything wrong? And she says nothing. It, it, it's, brothers, it's, it's not nothing. <laughs> nothing means something, and she is challenging you to figure out what that is. Because she's not going to tell you. Wish I had help here this one. Told you that the masters. When she says, go ahead. Go ahead means I dare you. That's it. 
In other words, it means see what happens when you do that. My advice, brothers, don't do it. No, no. Whatever she said, go ahead and do, don't do it. Whenever she says whatever, she says whatever. Young people say it's whatever. That's, that's exactly what it means, whatever. That means forget you. I'm not listening. I'm not, I don't want to understand. It's whatever. I'm no longer communicating with you because you haven't figured out my other signals. So therefore, it's whatever. Brothers, you've already messed up. If she says to you, whatever. Final one I want to talk to you about, she says, that's okay. That's okay means you really messed up. And it's going to be hard to recover from whatever you did. But promise you, brothers, it's not really okay. What I'm telling you is they're the masters of nonverbal communication. So you can imagine fathers. I wish I had a few fathers who had some daughters that they, need, they, they just may be able to start talking. But definitely when they get in that middle school teenage range and then they get a little bit older, you understand the importance of being near to your children. Words may sound innocuous, but you have to be present to understand what they truly mean. One day I was in my office and I was studying. And while I was studying, my daughter, who's now 12 years old, about to be 13, she said, she said, Dad, can you come and help me paint my toenails? And I said, baby, I said, Dad's a little busy right now. And she backed up and she said, that's okay, Daddy. That's okay. I've already told you what that's okay means. So you got a hint of how this is going. But I observed from her tone, not her words, but from her tone, that she was profoundly disappointed that I did not immediately get up. So what did I do? And, and girls, dads, you know what you have to do. I had to put my books down. I had to turn off my computer. And I had to say, baby, what, what is it that you want? So we had to go to the bathroom, and she had to sit on the tub, and she brought out her mama's little nail polish. She propped her little leg up on the side of the tub, and daddy had to sit down on the tub and put her foot in my lap and begin to paint toes. And don't judge me. If you don't have a daughter, boy, you better, you better do it. Because if you don't do it when she grows up, she have some hard-headed person doing what you did not do. And you have lowered the standard of what she expects. I expect my, my daughter's going to walk out of my house with high standards, high expectations. Come on in here. Of how she should be treated because her daddy was near her and listened. I was able to pick up on what she was trying to communicate it and not simply her words. And I came to tell you some children are suffering right now because their fathers are not near enough to hear them. And speaking of hearing them, I, one of the things I miss most about my father is his voice. If I could just have one more conversation with dad where he was near enough to hear me. He was a good listener, and he listened much better even than he spoke. Fathers, good fathers, are near to their children. Uh -huh. 
I'm about finished, but I want to give you this fourth thing. Good fathers are good to their children. The Bible says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Goodness is an element of who he is. That's why God is a good father, because goodness is an element of him. God is not good. God is just being God. I can't separate God's goodness from God because it's elemental to who he is. God is good. God is not what God does. It's who God is. Oh, I thank God for him being a good God. Somebody out there know him to be a good God. But what, what I've also learned that in goodness, there are bad donors, but not investors. When it comes to fathers, there are bad donors, but not bad investors. Because investors continuously check upon the progress of their investor. But I, but I came to talk to, to, to some women who, who seek to be mothers. And let me give you this. Mothers, you cannot grow an orange tree with apple seeds. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is you can't pull a husband out of a pimp. You can't pull a father out of a baby's daddy. What am I saying? You can't harvest something better than what is already in there. Oh, I'm in the right spot. I've learned to preach away from amens and preach the quiet. Because it's hard to say amen while you're thinking. But, but you can't pull something out of them that's not already in there. Come on in here with me now. And, and, and some of you, you, you holding on to hope. Well, one day he going to marry me. But you can't pull a husband out of a pimp. You can't pull something out of him that's not already in him. And in fact, that's not your job. You're working too hard. Point at your neighbor and say, it shouldn't be that hard. You, you're trying to, you're trying to write, work a miracle in somebody who, in whom it has not already been planted. Come on. Uh, some marriages are, are breaking up. That's why so a lot of marriages break up because he looks like an orange tree. Then you found out he only produces apples, but he can only produce what God put because yeah. you can't fall in love with what it looks like on the outside you need to understand what God put on the, uh, on the inside God, if God blesses me in this December I would have been married to this beautiful lady for 23 years and I want to talk about something real quick here if pastor allows me I want to talk about marriages that break up because you said uh, he changed You're going to change. But what's in you shouldn't change. You're going to change without, because when we first started trying to like each other, I was 12 years old, uh, 14 years old. I'm, I'm not the same person I was when I was 14. Not the same person I was when I was 18 or, or 22 or, uh, or 26 when we, when, we, when we had children. I, I'm not 
not that same person. I'm not the same person I was when I was 30 years old. I've evolved, but what was in me did not change. So the problem is you marry the orange tree and you, you, you wait a few years and when it starts producing apples, then you're disappointed. But see, what I tell you, you can only produce what's in it. Well, see, that, that's why God said when a man finds a wife, because if the man finds you, he already knows what's, what's in him. I wish I had help here. He should already know what, what, what's in him. And when he tells you something, it ought to jive with what you've already heard. Come on now. Because I, I, I'm worried about a prophet that tells me something I hadn't heard before. Because I talk to God too. Oh, somebody point at your neighbor and say, I talk to God too. I, don't, don't tell me stuff that don't jive with what God already told me. That's a false prophet. A real prophet ought to tell me something that God already told me because God already put it in me. Women out here telling God told me you're going to be my husband. See? See? Because it looks like orange tree, but it's going to produce apples. Because only God knows what he put in here. And everything, everything, everything that comes out of you. I don't care if you're 20 years old. I don't, I don't care if you're 40, 60, 70, 80 years old. Whatever comes forth from you is something that God already put in you. And, and let me just drop this for the people who, who, who are in that next phase. If you're going to another level, I came to tell you that God has already put in you what you need for that next level. It's already, somebody say it's already in me. It's already, I, I don't, I, I, I don't have to get better. What I have to do is get in tune with what God has already placed in me. Some of you are worried, well, I don't have this job and I don't have, I don't have this experience and I don't have this education. Baby, whatever you need to go to that next level, God has already put it in you. Somebody say it's in me. It's in me. God, but, but what I'm saying to you is that, is that God, the good fathers are good to their children because that's what God put in them. They're so good to their children that they take pleasure in doing well for their children. I'm concerned about, I heard the comedian Chris Rock say this, I'm concerned about men taking credit for stuff they're supposed to do. I, I take care of my kids. Um, yeah, yeah. You're supposed to take care of your kids. Uh, I, I give them the money that they need. Yeah, you, you, you're supposed to give them the money that they need. Come on in. I, I, I show up for all their events. You're supposed to show up. Stop taking credit for things that you're supposed to do. But what you should do is take pleasure in checking on your investment. So, so preach it with me. Say, take pleasure in checking on your investment. You need to have that Chick-fil-A attitude. Say, when you say, well, well, thank you, they're not going to say thank you back. They're going to say, my pleasure. My pleasure. It is my pleasure to serve you. As a father, it should be our pleasure to provide for our children. It should be our pleasure to check on our investment. It should be our pleasure to provide for our seed. Somebody say it's my pleasure. 
And the final thing I want to share with you, and I'm finished. I told you that good fathers, good fathers are kind. Good fathers are investors. Good fathers are near. Good fathers are good. And good fathers finally are still. When I say still, the good fathers, the father should be, while the mother is, is the master of nonverbal communication, the, the good father should be masters of calmness, patience, and tranquility. Your children should find peace when they talk to you. They should find peace when they're in your presence. One thing I'll tell you that when my daughter hears a thunderstorm coming, the one thing I know is wherever she is in the house, she's going to find me. She's going to find me. She may not have spoken to me all day, but if she hears the thunderstorm, if she hears there's tornadoes in the area, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I don't have to move. Move. I can stay exactly where I am, but she's going to find me. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. She, she's going to find me, and she's going to curl up right under me and say, Dad, I, I'm looking at this storm on my app. She said, and I just want to be here and pray with you. Because she finds calmness, she finds peace where I am. And good fathers, your children should find peace, tranquility in your presence. Bible in our text it said, nor it God said tells us to nor be worried. The late Stuart Scott put it this way. He said, you need to be as cool as the other side of the pillow. God reminds us to be anxious for nothing. We have a generation of anxious children because they lack fathers who are still. Uh, we got children with all kinds of, of anxieties and all kinds of depressions and all all kinds of medication and I can't help but think that we're in a generation and you're saying where did all of these diseases where did all these mental anxieties come from we have in the midst of a generation that did not have fathers that helped them to keep their peace and to keep their mind still good fathers are still but the calmest fathers are the ones who already know who they are fathers you need to know who you are Oh, one of the things I love most about Bishop Maynard is I, I love his leadership because he's not a man that is anxious or he's not worried. He's not concerned about other leaders who rise around him because he already knows who he is. He gives other people opportunities because he's securing himself. He already knows who he is. And good fathers, you know who you are. After Peter de de declared to Jesus, Jesus, he said, they, Jesus asked the question in Matthew 16 and, and 15. He said to them, but, but who, do me, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to him. And he didn't say, uh, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And Peter didn't even know who he was until he recognized it in Christ because Jesus says to him, thou art Peter. And to understand the import of that, you have to understand he wasn't born Peter. He was born Simon. But Jesus is the one who called him Peter or, or Kepha. And he said, thou art Peter or Kepha. And Kepha means stone. So then when he says to him after Peter declared that, he said, thou art Peter. He said, you know who you are now 
Because you recognize who I am. Peter, you, you, you know, you, you know, you, you understand your identity. You understand who you are right now. And the only reason you can understand who you are right now is because you recognize who, uh, I wish you were here with me. You recognize who I am. So Jesus is saying to you, you can't understand who you are until you recognize who I am. I am and once he said it he said thou art Peter thou art Kepha thou art the stone and he said upon this rock somebody say this rock he said upon this rock I, I, I'll build my church and I, I can build it on somebody who already knows who they are because they understand who I am and to, to somebody who's lost out there I want to tell you man you don't really know who you are until you understand understand who he is. You haven't started to walk in your destiny until you understand who he is. You don't know what kind of seeds you have on the inside until you understand who he is. But our father knows and, and he doesn't see us for who we are. But but I thank God I serve a savior who sees us for what we shall be. Before. For we do not see what we shall be. But when he doth appear we shall be like him. God said I put this treasure in earthen vessels. What he's saying is I put something in you that's more valuable than what's on the inside. I, I put something in you that's more valuable than what you understand. But when you recognize who I am, so then you begin to see who you are. Well, he didn't say to him when he was speaking prophetically. He talked to him for a minute and said, said Simon, son of John. But when he came down to the blessing, he said, thou art Peter. Which means some of us are missing our blessing because we didn't claim it in the right name. <laughs> we're trying to still hold on to the title of who we once were. But, but if you really want to step into the blessing that God has for you, you're going to have to step into your new name. I, I, I'm not Simon anymore. I'm not just the son of John, God, John. He said, but I am Peter. He said, thou art Peter. And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But he's saying the gates will not prevail as long as you remain Peter. You can't go back to just being Simon. But the blessing that I have for you is in the name of Peter. So some of you are out there trying to claim blessings in your own name. But God said, I wrote it down in your new name. No longer are you Simon, but I wrote it in the name of Peter. And he said, thou art Peter. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As long as you remember that thou art and I don't know what name God gave you, but as long as you walk in the name that God gave you, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. And he said, whatever, somebody say, whatever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As long as you remember that thou art Peter.
He said, I got a blessing that's in the name of Peter. He said, I got a breakthrough that's in the name of Peter. He said, I got a destiny, but it's in the name of Peter. He said, I got favor, but it's in the name of Peter. As long as you remember that thou art Peter. Somebody say, I am and say your name. I am Larry. I am Jerry. As long as I proclaim the blessing in what God called me, then I shall be the head and not the tail. I shall be above and not beneath. I'm a lender and not a borrower. And I'm more, somebody say I'm more, than a conqueror through him that loved us. I came to tell the men. I came to tell the fathers. He said, thou art Peter. Thou art. Somebody pointed another father and say, thou art Peter. Pointed another man and say, thou art Peter. And God said, upon this, upon this, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What I want to tell you, I'm finished. Everyone standing to your feet. I'm finished. I didn't. Some of you may have forgotten, thought I forgot. But I didn't get to forget the title of the message. I told you that fathers are kind. Okay. Fathers are investors. Ah. Fathers are near. In. Told you fathers are good. G. And fathers are still. S. Came to tell the fathers today we are kings. We are. That's who God has proclaimed us to be. Is there no king in you? But God has made us to be kings. Need the fathers out there just say, I am a king. I am a king. God has put a king in you. There is a king in you. But you'll never discover it. And you'll never find it until you recognize who Jesus is. You'll find your kingship in recognizing who Jesus is. He, he said, I, he said, I made you a, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation. But in saying the royal priesthood, see, some people are ready for royalty, but they're not prepared for priesthood. <laughs> that requires you recognizing who you are by seeing yourself through the eyes of God. And God sees us. He said, he told the prophet, he said, before you were formed in the belly, I already knew you. I already knew you. All because I know what I put in you. <laughs> I know what I put in you. And sometimes we get so caught up in celebrating other people's opinions of us that we even fail to live up to what God put in us. Come on in here. We, we, we're so, we get so celebrated. Somebody claps, your, claps their hands for you and says your name and your chest gets puffed up. And you get stuck where you are because God said, I know I got more in you. 
and I want to speak to my chronologically mature people in here. I'm just want to say your ladder. She'll be greater. Your ladder. <laughs> Can I talk to somebody? She'll be greater. God said, I'm not finished. I got more for you than you've ever known, more than you can see. Your ladder shall be greater. I have more in you. There's more that you're going to produce. You're going to produce more. I kept talking about the apple today, and I'm going to conclude with this and pray. I talked about the apple today, but the beautiful thing about the apple is that it has seeds on the inside. And the seeds on the inside of the apple does not produce more apples. It produces apple trees. Leave it to man to come up with seedless fruit, which robbed the fruit of its destiny. Because as long as it has seeds, it has something greater in it than it is of itself. So since the apple has multiple seeds, that means it can have multiple trees. And I came to tell somebody, God is not expecting you to produce another apple. He's expecting you to produce an orchard. Point at somebody and say, there's an orchard in you. Not another apple, not, not just another apple tree, but, but there's an orchard. Oh, why am I still here, God? Your orchard is not finished. I've lived this long, Lord. What is there left for me to do? There's an orchard in there. Your orchard is not complete. And while you're still living, you're dropping seeds. And uh, uh, I wish I had help you. Sometimes just your testimony is, is dropping seeds. And sometimes you just walking in is a, is a blessing and a testimony to somebody else who says no matter what they've been through, they're, they're still right here. You're dropping seeds. Dropping seeds. And let me give you this. Sometimes you're... Your example and your testimony is encouraging somebody whose seeds are on the shelf. You're encouraging them to plant their seeds. Oh, you're encouraging them to plant their seeds. That's a whole other message. I'm not going to go all the way there. But you're encouraging them to plant their seeds. I'm 80 years old, but I'm still encouraging people. <laughs> to plant their seeds. I, I don't get around like I used to. I can't shout and run like I used to, but, but my words are encouraging people to plant their seeds. My walking in the door is a testimony that the devil, he tried to take me out, but God said, I shall live and not die. Your testimony, your walking in is planting seeds. It's planting seeds. I don't see her here today, but every time I saw Missionary Starks yesterday, and she was in, she was there in Memphis. And when she came in, that, that, that was a testimony to me that no matter what she's been through, she's still here. I wish I had somebody who just say, I'm still here. I, I don't have time to give you the fullness of my testimony, but, but let me suffice it to say that I'm still here. The devil tried to take me out, but I'm still here. I should have lost my mind by now. I wish I had a few witnesses, but I'm still here. And I'm here by the grace of God. Oh, somebody give God some praise right there. Come on and give God some praise. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I want those, I want those hands lifted right there where you are. Lord, there's so much more in us, Lord, than even we've discovered. So much more in us than we've even realized. What we said to the fathers today that we are kings. There is a king in us. Help us to bring forth that which you have planted. Help us to be good stewards over that which you have invested. And Lord, we know the reason you're always there is because you're checking on the progress of your investment. Lord, let us not be like that, that unworthy servant. But Lord, help us to cultivate that which you've put in us. Help us to cause it to grow grow by, by studying and reading your word, Lord, by remaining in prayer and consecration to you, Lord, and by giving you the glory for the things that you have done. Lord, it's not of our works, not of works lest any man should boast, but it's only by grace and faith that we're saved in you. And Lord, we thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, come on, give God some praise. Come on, put the hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah.